another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. It's the Crypto Coach, Blockchain Wayne, with another cryptocurrency podcast. So in this episode, I really want to talk about use cases for cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and others. And I'm not just talking about in everyday, day-to-day -day life in, say, the U.S. or the U.K., where there is a functioning economy. Now, obviously, there are some fallacies in the current systems uh, across many different countries, especially those I mean, which most of them have fiat currencies. But I want to highlight some use cases that I've been made aware of over time, stories that I've either, per either personally heard from people or heard it through the grapevine as far as people that have turned to Bitcoin, turned to other cryptocurrencies, not out of investment or speculation, but out of necessity, out of the current situation they were in, in a corrupt, broken system, and how Bitcoin and other decentralized cryptocurrencies are able to give back some sense of freedom by allowing them to either build a new economy on top of a broken one or to exit a corrupt and broken system that was going to be crumbling soon. So one of the main stories that I've heard uh, about about cryptocurrency, about Bitcoin use uh, came from from an Uber driver. Now, this Uber driver, you know, ha had um, lives in the U.S. and his mom, his, his mom lives in Zimbabwe. And if you follow what's going on in Zimbabwe, they've experienced hyperinflation. Imagine being able to send over money and say his, he gets in his mom money. And by the time she cashes it out to their local currency, it could be a wheelbarrow full of money. Now, imagine that not being enough for a loaf of bread. And sometimes that happens. There are so many high fluctuations in the price, in their currency, in devaluation due to excess printing. I mean, let's face it. They have a $100 trillion bill in Zimbabwe. So with that being said, that system is broken. It's corrupt. And you can imagine remittance fees when you try to send to countries where their currency is not stable it can cost, you know, just that guy that was sending money to his mom, the old traditional way, it's slow. It, it, it's very costly. I mean, you're talking excess of 20 to 40% of what he was sending would go towards remittance fees and just money exchange, currency exchanges. And that is what you're experiencing there. And so it really makes him hard to be able to support the family that he cares about whenever he needed to send money back to his family. A lot of people that work overseas or work in the US or in Europe or the UK, um, they, you know, they have family back in other countries. They support that family. It's very common in that and over there in the Philippines and Latin, Latin American countries where, you know, people go off and become workers in other countries and they send money back to support the family that is still uh, where they are. So, let enters Bitcoin, right? And what he was saying about Bitcoin was that, you know, those remittance fees, everything I talked about, it was just an outrageous amount of fees. And then it's still, you know, the devaluation was huge. So by sending Bitcoin, so first thing I had to do is set his mom up with a Bitcoin wallet, set her up, got her set up with a Bitcoin wallet, and then have conversations with the shop owners everywhere within the town that she lived where she needed to shop. They're all experiencing issues with currency or losing money. Imagine, you know, having money sitting, say, in a bank or just money you're holding and the value of it is just drastically going away. The purchasing power of it while you're having it. it doesn't matter if you have in a bank vault, a safe at home or shoved in a mattress. The valuation of that currency 
was dro was dropping drastically. So all the shop owners needed to sustain a way to live. They also were open to alternatives. So when they learned about Bitcoin, they also decided to start accepting Bitcoin. And so now within a matter of minutes, he can send Bitcoin to his mother in Zimbabwe. You're right. And just the fluctuations we see in day to day value of Bitcoin in relation to the US dollar or the euro or the British pound, that's nothing to them. That that That's more stable than what they're used to. So even at current state, they were able to do that. So now his mom is able to go into the shops that she needs to buy stuff, pay with Bitcoin and be able to walk out with goods. They created their own economy on top of a failed economy. So that is just one instance of what Bitcoin can do uh, from that. I was just reading an article earlier that just came out the other day and Zimbabwe is really adopting. They are leading the way in many cases in cryptocurrency and adoption. One of their cryptocurrency payment providers uh, that they have out there called Zimbo Cash, it's a third party provider. Not really familiar with all the intricacies of how it works, but I know on average, they they basically are getting close to 100,000 cryptocurrency transactions per week, per week. Now that doesn't show adoption, and I don't know what does. Um, now, yes, governments are gonna have issues with it because it is outside of government control, right? True cryptocurrency gives a freedom back to the people. And let's face it, when we've given power to people, let's just look back through history. Anytime people have been given power, has it worked out good? That those people were all, the, all those people, good stewards of that power, of that control? No. So money in current state in fiat paper currency or digital, whether it's credit cards um, or, you know, bank digital payments, right? Those are forms of control. Uh, it's forms of control and it forms of surveillance, which you and I may think, hey, well, it shouldn't matter if I'm did, not doing anything illegal. And remember, that's all relative because there's a lot of things that are unjust that are, have been legal in the past. And there's a lot of things now that are unjust that are still technically legal. And there's a lot of things that are that should be done that should be legal that aren't. So this is a way to exit a broken system, a corrupt system. Cryptocurrency gives you the ability to do that. Now, are we anywhere near that? in the US or the UK or Europe again, I'll bring it back and say, you know, as of right now, no, but you have to look at what's happening. Are we recklessly printing fiat currencies into oblivion? Absolutely, right? I, I was just talking to someone the other day and they had $40,000 in a bank account. That $40,000 have been sitting in a bank account for a long time. And when I say long time, I'm thinking of 10 plus years, right? So for 10 plus years, averaging less than a half a percent of interest earned every year. But let's think back. If you go back 10 years ago, or let's go back 10, 15, 20 years, one thing you look at when you see that is the purchasing power of that money has drastically decreased because of inflation. What causes inflation is the fact that the purchasing power of the dollar continues to diminish. And as that happens, we see inflation happen, which is why you know, milk can go from a dollar a gallon to two to three to four to five dollars a gallon. It continues to go up or you, you may not see it. Sometimes it's subtle. You walk into a grocery store and you're used to buying the same thing year over year over year. But you start to notice that the packaging, the prices may not have gone up on the items, but there's less in the package. That's inflation as well. And it happens a lot and we don't really realize it. So savers people that work hard and save their money and store it away 
actually become losers in a fiat system because your purchasing power is continually to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. So people that 20, 30, 40 years ago that thought they may have saved a nice nest egg and maybe something they were going to leave for their family for future generations, the value of that is just going to continue to diminish over time, even though it's sitting. So you think about it, inflation, it's actually robbing you of your purchasing power while money is still in the bank. And that is just what's happening. So Zimbabwe is an area where we're starting to see that really take hold. Some Latin American countries as well. So I'll tell you, uh, you know, about uh, a story that I heard about in Venezuela. And this was an attorney in Venezuela. Uh, this guy was a lawyer, owned a law firm. You would think, hey, if you own a law firm, no matter what country you're in, it's a needed service, you should be doing pretty good financially. Well, if you haven't seen pictures of Venezuela that have been circulating, there's literally pictures where there's just the paper money is littered the street and nobody's even bothering to pick it up because it's not worth the effort to pick it up because it's devalued so much. They pretty much collapsed their, their money to where it's worthless. So an attorney who you think is doing well, imagine when that attorney, all that attorney's clients, their money is also worthless. His money is also worthless. So it doesn't matter whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, or what you have experienced a loss of income because your purchasing power of your money has just been devalued. And we've seen that happen over the last few years where the, the, the currency is just continually devalued and devalued in Venezuela. Uh, they went, they used to be one of the richest countries and now they are dealing with hunger and starvation, economic collapse. All these things are happening and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies uh, between Bitcoin, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, those are some of the ones that are used most in Venezuela. You're starting to see a reemergence of some sort of an economy on top of that collapsed economy. Now, yes, Venezuela is, is, is working on putting out their own cryptocurrency, the Petro, which they say is backed by their oil, but it's still a state controlled currency. So they may use buzzwords like blockchain and cryptocurrency and decentralized, but it's anything but decentralized. It's anything but um, permissionless. It's anything but censorship resistant. It is. It can be heavily censored. And just know that any government, any entity, whether it's the U.S. government, uh, U.K., Europe, China, anyone that creates their own digital currency, cryptocurrency, or whatever they want to call it, and even if they say it's based on a blockchain, they're not going to relinquish control. And why is that such a bad thing? Is because we've seen that control, even though intentions in the beginning may be sincere, except for China, may be sincere, that abuse of power that, that leaves the ability for someone to manipulate the system, to abuse the system, or to use it as a, basically as a tool to control and a tool of surveillance. And that's not what you want. You want to be able to cryptocurrency and being able to spend, that's a form of expression, being able to obtain, to live, to thrive, that, that's a basic human right that should not be infringed upon, but it's happening. So this attorney as well, you know, basically said that Bitcoin saved him from losing everything. If he hadn't, you know, if he hadn't had the foresight to put a good amount of what he had at the time into Bitcoin, then he would have lost everything. Right. And he was able to advise and some clients listened and some didn't. Uh, the ones that listened were able to continue to thrive 
continue to exchange value among each other. Uh, and, and it allowed that to continue. Now, um, that is why it's, you know, cryptocurrency can be such a big deal. Uh, because in instances like that, Turkey is another one. When you look at Turkey, Turkey is leading the way. They experience hyperinflation as well. And right now, just looking at a survey, one-fifth of all Turkey residents that were surveyed, one-fifth, 20% of them said that they they own, they have used and are own cryptocurrencies. In Brazil, the number is 18%. Colombia is 18%. Argentina and South Africa is 16%. Mexico is 12%. So Chile is 11%. China is 11%. Now you think about what's happening in those countries other than China, right? China, it's about control. It's about when you look at what's happening in Hong Kong right now, where there's a democratic uprising and people that want their freedoms, they were shut off from access to banks. They were limited from accessing any funds. All their bank accounts were frozen if they were known to be protesters. Now, if that's not a tool of control, then I don't know what is. We need to wake up and see what's happening because that can happen anywhere. Now, can it happen in the free world in a democratic country? Absolutely. With bad actors acting as legislators that could pass laws that could give that same uh, control to entities like that. So cryptocurrency, I have zero doubt, even though we're not, you know, we're censored a lot as far as what's happening there. Uh, but I guarantee you that cryptocurrency is being used to allow those people to survive and thrive in that in that currently oppressive environment. Right. So that's what's happening with China. But the other ones, you look at some of these Central and South American countries and they are, you know, they've experienced turmoil. They've experienced uh, drastic uh, inflation, devaluing of the money. Corruption has caused many of their, uh, you know, much of their currency to be devalued or whole, you know, whole uh, industries just to go away or some industries that were able to pick up and move, move to other countries that are more favorable. So that's what cryptocurrency can do uh, for those countries. And it can do a lot for you and I. My challenge to you is to start utilizing cryptocurrency as much as possible. You know, sometimes paying with cryptocurrency is not about saying, oh, I'd rather do that than pay with my the money I have in my bank account. But for me, if, if I can get someone that's going to accept cryptocurrency, then that allows me to be able to add more people that are aware of what's happening. And then they'll start to dig in and see what what's what are the implications of Bitcoin and other decentralized cryptocurrencies that allow us to um, take back, exit a corrupt system or take back some basic fundamental freedoms that we should have. And in many cases, most of the people you talk to think they still have those fundamental freedoms, right? They think that, hey, my money's in the bank. But, you know, just today on Facebook, before recording this episode, I saw uh, an article from or, or a post, should I say, from someone that I know in another state that went to withdraw a large sum of money out of his bank account. Right. His bank account that he owns and was basically met with resistance, met with, oh, you have to wait at least three to seven days to get it. And it was not an easy process. I mean, they held them up for a long time. It should be easy. It should be fast. It should be instant. And cryptocurrency can give us that. But right now, the problem is if enough people with large sums of money decided they wanted to withdraw from the banking system, from a bank, then that could make the bank insolvent because they can't cover everything that they own. If you and I were to set up a business model like banks are currently using, uh, 
uh, we would be arrested for creating a Ponzi scheme. And that's basically what has happened. Were the intentions that long ago? It's hard to say. Some people may say, well, those ill, Ill intents were set up when way back when the Federal Reserve was created, when the, the central bank was created. But, you know, and, and I have no doubt that those people realized that they were going to, be going to become very powerful people. Because when you control, whether you're controlling people's money or people's food, those two things allow people to survive and thrive or can hinder them, uh, you know, if, if that control is abused. So that's why it's important to learn about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, blockchain, this whole technology. I mean, blockchain goes into so many other aspects other than just cryptocurrency. Currency is just like one app. You think about it in sense of technology. and We're used to seeing our phones with all these apps. Currency is just one app on the blockchain, which means it's one use case. It's one function. Legacy banking can be replaced with an app. Right? When you think about it, bankers are no longer needed when we, you know, we move to a, a true decentralized digital currency that we can utilize that's borderless, right? If I want to pay somebody, if I want to pay, uh, you know, my business partner in the UK for, for a service or for a good, I can pay him without going through multiple currency exchanges, right? Just right now, just to send him money through PayPal, uh, it charges an inflated percent just for the conversion. Why? Why, Why would I have to do that when uh, I'm just basically you know, paying for someone else just to switch my money over when their system's in place. There's better technology. Phone lines were that. We used to use the internet over the phone line and it was slow. It was horrible. We were using new technology over old infrastructure. Banking is old infrastructure. We've got new technology, but right now we're, we're constantly comparing it to um, old infrastructure like banking. Well, what about this? What about that? Well, when you think about the true cases, you can flip that and banking can just be one app on the blockchain that, that legacy banking can be replaced with an app. Just like today, back to my reference about phone lines, most phone calls, most landline phone calls are actually done over the internet because now you're using that legacy old technology uh, as an app on, you know, on the new, new infrastructure. And that's why it's clunky right now because we're used to using old infrastructure. We've got a new superior technology that's better for the people but it's going to take time. It's going to be rough. It's going to take a lot of resistance. There's going to be a lot of resistance to it, um, mainly because those that are in control that are abusing that control, they either don't want to give up control or don't want to be exposed for the corruption and the, the misrepresentation of service that they've given. But all you have to do is Google bank, uh, bank fraud, bank money laundering, bank fines, and you'll see time and time again, Wells Fargo, uh, and many other banks that have been that have violated that trust over time and actually been caught and, you know, and charged and fined for money laundering, for manipulation of markets, for all kind of things. And again, if if it weren't for certain people in power, though, like if you and I were to do that, we would get shut down right away. But it that just shows you we're dealing with a rigged system. So cryptocurrency, Bitcoin gives us the ability to take that power back. So. That's it for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening or watching if you're watching the video and uh, we will catch you on the next episode.